Hello everyone, welcome to the debate show where South Sudan discusses its future. In the perspective of South Sudan, a recent report by the International Rescue Committee and the Joint Donor Team reveals that violence against women and girls is both a feature of today's escalating humanitarian crisis and a persistent feature of daily life across South Sudan. It is a deeply entrenched problem that has a severe impact on the health, well-being, and opportunities of generation of women. And in August 2010, the South Sudan's National Development Plan for the year 2011 to 2013, which includes some key gender equality priority actions, was approved. The year 2012 to 2013 budget allocation to the Ministry of Gender, Child and Social Welfare as per the Minister of Finance is 7.7 million South Sudanese pounds. This continues to be the smallest ministerial budget in the government of South Sudan. With this little investment on addressing women issues, girls and women in South Sudan continue to face rape, domestic violence, early and forced marriage, intimidation and inadequate representation in private and public sector. What if women enjoyed the same rights as men in South Sudan? This theme is going to be for the next one-hour public debate organized by iRadio and the International Republican Institute. And to help us discuss this topic are my panelists, Honorable Rebecca Nyandeng de Mabur, and then the Paramount Chief from Eastern Equatorial State, Magdalena Ihisa, and then we have Honorable Janet Ayah, the Secretary General of National Legislative Assembly Women Parliamentary Caucus, and then Merikaje Lona, the Secretary General of South Sudan Democratic Engagement and Monitoring Program. Let us first listen to some voices of some of the women that I already spoke to outside there and hear their opinion about this particular topic. Women are really marginalized and they are oppressed. Look at the forceful marriage and early marriage. Girls are not given chance to study. People say that these girls should bring wealth. Those were voices of women that I already spoke to earlier on in the street about what they think are the problems facing women in the Republic of South Sudan. Well, our panelists are going to answer to some of the concerns that they have raised. And I would like to start with uh, Lorna. There was an issue that was consulting women on the constitution review process. 
that women in South Sudan do not even get consulted when this process is happening. In regard to consultation, yes, there is an effort, but I do agree with the speaker that women are not consulted enough. Therefore, it's very important for us to pick it right from what she has said and start emphasizing on consultation on, of women in regard to the development of the national constitution of South Sudan. Women are organized at different levels. The only challenge we have is how to connect the organized sector of women and be able to have one solid block. They can be contacted through those formations and be able to communicate the information to them and collect their views to be incorporated in the constitution. I would like to move to Honorable Janet. There was the other concern that women in South Sudan do not actually understand their rights as in the constitution, that there is no awareness. Is it the case? The question is real, right? Uh, women for sure do not understand their rights as per the constitution. Because we know that the constitution is written in English. And if you compare the number of women out there who know English and speaks English, it's minimum. So there's no effort so far which is made in a way that the constitution is translated to those languages that women will be able to understand and read for themselves. But if this constitution is also translated into those various languages, for sure women will have better understanding of this constitution. And for those women that cannot read, is there a way that they can be empowered with this knowledge of their rights as in the constitution? Yes. You know, participatory planning or understanding or coping is there. There are mechanisms where women can be enabled through workshops, through, you know, going down to the grassroots to make them understand. As already Lona has said, women are organized. They have groups. They, have, uh, they are participating in the civil society. They are participating in the churches. Those are the channels that actually we can reach to the women, the grassroots. I would like to ask uh, Paramount Chief Magdalena, and she's going to answer in Arabic for the sake of the, our listeners. So you as the Paramount Chief, back with the people, do you feel sometimes that they do not know when you tell them that, hey, you as a woman, you have the right, you know, sometimes to speak in public? <laughs> Eastern Equatoria. Ana believe in all mahalat. Lakin la hasa, raja ma bi terif shogla na baamolodi. Bi shufa ana mara de kalam farik sagi. Yani hasa, ana fi shogol bitaya na malta kulu sinin de kulu. Ana ma si tamantajar sana, fi sultan. Ana malta shogol de kulu, ma bi terifu gala na malna shogol. Asande, de mara sagi. Yala sultan, ya nusawin alta buwono slomon, de sayimun bisade galumon inu hak fi dustur. Nusawin de inu hak inu fi dustur omon bisade. Asangadina 
Asana bishaya ganun bita Sudan Sudan. Okay. Ana Brigale Sobadal giwaja ni sawin fi Mugatad Baden. I would like to move to Honorable Rebecca Nyanding on the concern of Priska Achol. She said that the implementation of women rights as per the constitution is not happening. Do you see it like that? Um, thank you very much. I agree with her of uh, what uh, she's saying. In front of me here is a statistic of uh, women uh, at all levels as the our uh, government are saying, uh, like for example, the 25% affirmative action uh, are not realized in many in many places. For example, like in the, mini the, the ministers, we have four uh, women ministers out of uh, of 29. That's not 25%. And uh, we continue talking at all these levels that women must be represented at all levels. Um, what I wanted to say in this is that uh, we women, we have not explored ourselves to see what are our rights. And I, would, I wanted to say it like that. Because if we see this one, and it is our right, and it is not given to us, we should go there, and the Constitution is giving to us those rights. We need to get up and see. It. Like, for example, the Commission. You find that there are two women out of 21. And uh, we are not exploring this, and we expect that these things will be given to us in the house. We need to see the, the other side of the coin. We are blaming men and, uh, and saying that the men are not giving us our rights. Yes, there are some domestic problems, but at the, at the level of uh, uh, career and uh, other jobs, you have to explore and look for, for, for your opportunity to see that uh, are those opportunities are there for me. And if you are not giving this, Constitution is saying this, you should look for a lawyer to give you those rights. We have never tried something like that as women. Secondly, uh, we ourselves women, we do not reach uh, our, our fellow women at the grassroots. We are supposed to go to the grassroots and, uh, and be with them so that they know that uh, their fellow women uh, in towns, so to speak, are with them. We are not connected. We are not networking. Yes, as Lona said that um, uh, women are organized. All of us in southern Sudan, we are organized. Women are organized. Okay. Since you already brought in the issue of 25%, I would like to go back to recently the SPLM Political Bureau said that they have added the affirmative action to 30%. We would like to confirm from you, is it the position of the party or it is uh, the government? Um, actually, those things are supposed to come from the party, not from the government. Because according to the, how the setup of the institution, it is the party which feeds the executive. So this one is coming from the party. But it is not 30, it is 35%. And the question is, when we give figures, are we realizing those figures as a party? Are we giving those rights to the women? These are the questions now being asked. And we are being asked, like myself, I'm there in the political bureau. Our fellow women are asking me whether these things are being realized. And what I said earlier, this is what I tell them. I say that I'm fighting on your behalf, but you fight on your own behalf wherever you are. At many, all the levels we have to fight so that we get our rights. Okay. Then I would move to Lona. Madam Rebecca just mentioned the issue of fighting for the affirmative action constitutionally. Women can go to court and claim their right. What is making it difficult for women organizations to do that? Thank you very much. I think the issue of affirmative action in South Sudan is has become a wanting question. And I think we need to get a clear understanding of affirmative action. As Lorna 
I don't believe that the women who are holding ministerial positions today are an implementation of affirmative action. Because take, for example, Dr. Betty Achan, she's not an affirmative action. She qualifies to hold that position as a woman. Why should we say that is an affirmative action? So what I'm saying, my question goes back to the party and the government, where is affirmative action? And again, one thing I want to make clear is that the transitional constitution, Article 16, Sabbatical 1, says women have the right to exercise. Women are accorded right the same as their male counterparts. Where is that happening? So let's not, when we talk about women issues and women rights, let's not just concentrate on 25% affirmative action or even increasing it to 30%. That is not helping. My message is girls' education should be priority. We should protect girls. We should educate girls. Because affirmative action is a policy that is evolving. We may call for it to be increased or we may call for it to be reduced or scrap it off. If we have qualified, competent women, do we need affirmative action? We don't need it. Therefore, I think the issue of affirmative action, we need to handle it carefully. And I think it's not being realized in South Sudan. I'm still waiting to see affirmative action in the government. Okay, and I was asking, how can women claim this right? For us to claim that right as women, we need to follow key moments in the government, in the nation, and in the political dispensation of this country. When reshuffle is being made, and I think when rumors are going out there as women, we should have our two lists. One list for 75% qualified, competent women. The other list as an affirmative action. Because we also know that there are men in there who cannot read and write. That is affirmative action from men's side. Where is affirmative action for women? Okay, I would like now to move to Kujang. She was saying that women do not have opinion over marriage in South Sudan. She's left in the kitchen, she cooks for the visitors who are probably negotiating over her daughter, and she has no say in it. I want to ask this question to Paramount Chief Magdalena. Why is it like that? Is it our culture that is prohibiting women from having a say over their own daughter? Or is it that the men have become too greedy to involve other people in decision making as far as uh, wealth is concerned? Okay. 
lazim ana ni raya sangale katibu aja de fi fi ganuna liki katibu de mara ino hak besma aya haja alfi gahasil fi jobeto asa dai ni na fi nuswa nini ina nuswa anta marhumin gani idu ina sa ana gula arfaida bar faida ma fi hoguk tarajil taki bodileta ku mali adil je zeriba tarajil taki ma ko bodileta akuto bi denya kam minana akuki sil minana barra bedjede rajil tayabino akho lisa bedje ugi fogu betala na barra yal tayib kum gunjaja ma fi jod bukutu bala de bodi sinu Mamana mara maino ogu mara mafi ma odile na fisadan soda basanke tina no digono suanta lao ketir japo makamalana tala ketir barra min al autan akal rajil adil gul tala barra ko sana bitala barra oyal taide basi ama shaka bijafo ko anta der lesa gunu taimu fi haja tasil kida okay shukran sultan we will be coming back to that issue of owning property and right to own land later on but let's move to the bill of right as uh, lona has just mentioned one before and as per the constitution the transitional constitution the bill of right is the cornerstone of social justice equality and democracy let's now get into the question of rights of women and women shall be accorded just like lona said before full and equal dignity of the person with the men i want to ask this question to Madam Rebecca in your opinion what are some of the obstacles preventing women from enjoying full rights as men in this country apart from traditions what about in modern times uh, i think uh, the problem that the women have uh, is lack of uh, uh, information we are barred out of information we are not getting information it's not only women but even in southern sudan there are a lot of things going on and our people don't get it secondly there is no networking so that the women can get information thirdly there is a uh, language barriers because if pe- people are not accessing and are not reading they will not be able to get it so some of these are obstacles of the of the uh, of of why women are not getting uh, to know about their rights like for example resolutions that we come out with uh, for example in political bureau or in the national liberation council uh, sometimes doesn't get the people at the grassroots and uh, we as a party we should uh, exert our efforts uh, to give information to our people and today the people in southern sudan are not an island they are part of the global village and there are uh, gadgets like uh, internet facebook and there are many places where those information can be put so that they can be able to access those uh, information so there are many obstacles uh, fourthly culture cultural barriers Uh, some of our uh, men are, are are hiding behind cultures and behind custom and we need to explore those things whether they are correct or not because there are some cultures which men are saying that these are cultures sometimes you go and find out this is a, this is not a culture and uh, some of them are changing like for in my tribes some of the cultures are changing now like for example uh, for the dowry when a woman used to be given one cow now they have changed it i don't know whether because they want to eat more by giving their wives more cows now we are giving about 10 15 30 according to uh, to the what the man is paying for the dowry so in some cultures some are changing and some are not changing some are even going to the extreme so they wanted to keep women outside not to know but the cultures is saying like this and it is us being a Christ, being a christian society we are more moving towards Christ, being a christians but some of the people are still behind there and they they are they are still believing in those beliefs so i think those are the things that which are keeping them outside okay thank you i would like to go to honorable janet just like uh, mama rebecca mentioned the issue of some men hiding behind the cultures 
I mean, if you come to the part of the constitution, it is stipulated clearly what it means, the difference between some customary laws, some traditional or the rights that women are supposed to enjoy as per the constitution compared to how people will misinterpret them when they go back to the village. i just like to ask you, can't we have the constitution being the paramount law more than just other laws that we assume these are part of our culture? Yeah, thank you uh, once again. You know, um, this, this question has, actually makes me always think, is the constitution the supreme law of the country or is it the culture? Because... From time and time again, even educated men think more culturally than the law of the nation. It beats my understanding, even for us who have access, we read the constitution, we understand the constitution, the way the, the, the act is contrary to, to the, the constitution. They prefer to cling to culture, to hide, obviously. Huh? And they hide behind that because it is only in culture that you can bar women. But I think it is up to women to take up that challenge and say, no, this is my right. And if you want me to sue me to the highest court, I will stand with it. Until we take that personal decision, it's going to be a big issue because they will misuse that, obviously. In, in Rwanda, Honorable Janet, some women who are in the parliament, they say that the reason as to why the rights of women is being acknowledged more and more in Rwanda is because legislators who are women always ensure that any bill that is presented has a connotation that favors the women or has a general view of the rights of the women. As you said, women also have to come up and fight. Do you as legislators have a voice sometimes to scrutinize bills that are going to come up or that comes up so that it favors women in a way? Uh, you know, we are in the parliament having different uh, standards. Parliament is a place where even those who do not know how to read and write can represent our people. And indeed, they are doing that effectively. Everybody comes to the parliament with what they already perceive. It depends on what attitude. Are you a changed person who is going there with the open mind of saying, yes, now I am here representing my colleagues, the women, so therefore I have to take the, the laws that were en enacting to fit into the women's issues? Or is it we are being even used by the men in the parliament to pursue even further whatever they want the culture to come ahead? So there's this contention that, you know, uh, we have to respect our cultures. Yes, we have to respect, but we have to begin to scrutinize those cultures, whether it will help us grow or it will even retard our, 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 our growth as women. So this has been used time again. I'm looking forward to see that real this constitution should be purely a constitution that binds us all. It should not, because much of it is actually cultural based. Constitution. For me, when I read this constitution, it's more traditional, culture-based constitution. So when can we have that constitution which is open for all? This is just a reminder to our listeners. Uh, this is uh, the debate show where South Sudan discusses its future. And today we are discussing the question, what if women enjoyed the same right as men in South Sudan? 
And in the panel today are Madam Rebecca Nyandeng, the Presidential Advisor of Gender and Human Rights. And we have Magdalena Hisa, who is the Paramount Chief from Eastern Equatorial State. And we have Honorable Janet Aya, the Secretary General of National Legislative Assembly Women Parliamentary Caucus. And we have Merikaje Lona, the Secretary General of South Sudan Democratic Engagement and Monitoring Program. Now, I would like to move to a report that was written by Sut Institute in January 2013 on gender equality in South Sudan, a review of customs and constitution. Just to pick up from where Honorable Janet was speaking, that women in South Sudan, not only are they forced to marry without their consent, but are also unable to make decisions regarding sex and family planning. For example, some customs dictates that Sex in the context of marriage is a husbandly right. But since the woman is the one to carry a child for nine months, nurse the child and care for the child, she should have the right to decide on the number of children and the timing of production. I want to ask this question to Lorna. Do you agree with this argument that women should be the one to decide on when to have the child, the timing itself? I believe that, yes, women's rights are violated. They should have right to determine when they should get children because the process of getting a child is actually, I usually say, it's a whole project by itself. This woman is undertaking this initiative that she will be attached to it every day, every hour, every minute of her life for at least two years she is in this initiative of getting this child to a level that the child can at least be taken care of by somebody. Therefore, it's paramount that women should make right, should have right to make decision on when to get children. And one thing I would want to say is that as women, we have been repeatedly saying that sexual and gender-based violence against women goes beyond rape cases that are being reported. And we've further gone saying that there's actually rape in marriage. Because if you define rape, it's when somebody makes you to have sex without your consent. Does the transition constitution acknowledge marital rape? That has not been acknowledged. And as women, we need to raise those issues. Making a woman to get a child without her consent, without her wanting to do it, to have a child by that time, basically it's like that woman was forced and definitely raped. And I want to take it back to the point of education. For you to know your right, you have to be educated about your right. And we have to educate our girls so that they don't go through all these violations. Okay, and then I'd just like to ask uh, Honorable Rebecca, does this statement explain why some people view women to be submissive to their husbands, even if they know they have the right? Um, you know, uh, the rights of the women and uh, girl-child in our societies is communal. It's not taken as a family issues because if these things remain in the family, it will be discussed at the level of the family, but it is communal. For example, you have your daughter in school, a man comes and says that, I want to marry your daughter, and the father will say, no, my daughter is uh, studying. The uncles will go and come and say that, uh, why? This girl has to get married, and the father and the mother will be forced to, to give up uh, their opinion towards uh, their daughter going to school. So it's a communal thing. So you don't, you don't find that this thing is being discussed as a family at the family level. Also, let us see, when a woman is married into that family, she does not belong to just only the man and that family. It is, she's taken as for everybody. 
but the culture does not say like that. The culture say that it is during the wedding where, when everybody is contributing, but when the wife comes home, she belongs to her husband. But no, it doesn't stop there. They, they interfere. And this is why you see there are many problems which are not being resolved. Just to move on so that we get some questions from the audience, I'd just like to ask uh, this question on work. As we say, education and women should also be empowered. I want to ask this question to Honorable Janet, then I'll also ask the same to Paramount Chief Magdalena. But I'd like you to listen to this. A report in Uganda in March says that working women say that they need more support for paid family and medical leave. And that sometimes women fail to take up challenging jobs because they feel that some companies will not allow them time off to go take care of their children and therefore they demand them to be there 100% on duty. Now, do you see such conditions makes it difficult for women to take up challenging jobs, let's say, to be ahead of a company, for instance? Yeah, um, I think Uganda and any other country have the same problems that we are facing. Uh, for example, here in the constitution, it says that women will be provided in maternity and child care, medical care for pregnant and lactating women. That is the Article 16 uh, C. But I've never seen in any office where these facilities are provided. Definitely is going to be a challenge. It's already a challenge for working mothers. You will have to divide your time. I remember when I was working with the UN and uh, they give four months, solidly four months, for you to have the whole process of maternity leave. After that, in fact, you are given zero hours. Even if you have these uh, breastfeeding hours, but there's no facility where you can bring your child closer to you so that at a, a break you can go and breastfeed. These facilities are not there. This is obviously going to be a challenge. Now this poses a, a question. Does it mean now giving birth, giving uh, recreation is only a woman issue? It shouldn't be only a woman issue. It should be looked like this is a societal issue. For women to be able to contribute to take a challenging job, these facilities have to be availed. And it is really up to us to make sure that we fight for now in these offices to, so that we, in the budget, so that these are also put in the budget because there's no time that women will stop giving birth. If women stop giving birth, then that is the end of the nation. And also that means... Women, if women only say that we can only give birth, then that is the end of the women's career. So which is which? So let us all now fight to make sure that this article, which is already in the constitution, have to be implemented. Should companies adopt policies that encourage women to seek even higher positions? Yes, because, you know, I have a belief that without women, if we leave the women, there will be no economic growth. Women are still going to be majority in any nation. Leaving them behind and thinking that they cannot take a senior position means also it will affect whatever company, whatever organization, because the, the talent a woman has is not the talent that a man has. What are some of the challenges that faces you that sometimes you feel like this is a male-dominated society, let me give up? Yeah, 
دي حاجات اللجانا لكن من خفيف بتاعي وشغل بتاعنا بيستغل يعني جي قفنا بتاعي بتاعي استيت ما بردوا كلمات زي دي انا لسه شحال معاهم لكن في يعني الناس تيهك من الناس قفنا تيهك ده تعنين ريرو يعني كده شيلانا برا من شغل ليه؟ عشان هو بيشيلوا من بلده هو بيجيبوا وانا جا انا بوري لي تكون عديل الكسون عمل انا الكسون في 8 كاونتي كله جابوا 30 عمل انا انتخابات يا انا جيت في كرزي الرجال كله 30 استلموا لي كرزي ده بقى الكسون يعني لهم ديروا كمان عشان هم ناجوا يجيبوا زر جديد المفروض يتاخبوه يا راجل يا ابو يشيلوا يا ممكن انا برجع فوق كان شغل تاني دي هاي ده حاجه الحين لكن موسى بسواتا بوسوسا وسوسا وسوسا ما بانفع عشان انا مارا دي حاجه بتال وانا اللي قلتها في شغل السلطان ده مين انا بعد السلطان لقد انا وصل في فرمانشير انا شيلوا حاجه الخط في قلبك انت بونسو بطال انا بمشي قريب جميتها انت بونسو كيف كيف انا بمشي قريب جميتها عشان ليه انا مارا الخط عاد بكون كثير لانا انا بجمي لومون تاني قال يا جماعه مارا دي نورمال مارا دي بيزي يعني ما ينو كلام ترى تانين على كان أدو أسر جيجا أسر جيسا بوت أنا تاني هاي ديا حاجات على أنا اللي جو في شغل تسلطان وأنا كان داير ربنا كده نسوان تانين ساعدوا أنا أصلا أنا كان نزلت في معاش النسوان على حسك بيجا بيجا ورد ورد أي بمسكوا كان هذا أصلا ما ممكن بيسيب للرجال برا يا جماعة إتو نسوان ما تنوم أنت بان عقيقة أصلا أنا واي مارا في سودان سودان فرمانشي في تانين أدا وفي كان مرهومة بتاع أبيه ولا شنو يمكن هو كان بيكون كبير من انا لكن جاي توافق افروت انا يكون كان في ورا بيتو جامع ده كان هو في اسا انا بكون بورا بيتو لكن هو يتوافق بعدين في في يامبيو بردو انا اروح لا دي يامبيو قال لي مره دي كان في يتوافق انا بيجا واحد فرمانشي في ستن كاتوريا بس دي حاجات انا اجيب اي مره سيبو كلام تسياسه براو انت كما نمشي بقانون ده ما هلك امان هو مهم سديد انا ما بقدر سيبو للرجال براو يلا سلطان انت لو كان ونوز للنساوين من شنو عشان من كمان بقدر يكون سلاتين زيك ولا ام خلي ما خاف انا بوري لهم خلي ما يخاف تحديد تكسب ده انت كمان افتى راسك قوم راس بتاعك تكلم معاهم في شنو ما عملنا كان سيلينا بدرو كان ديتورا اننا كان شنو اي حاجه مارينو لازم انا بكون بنفس في كرز زكا دمون كمان تشيلو ما يخاف انت بتكلم راسك واقف اتكلم ساعدنا ودي لنا حاجه اتكلم فتسيك لنا زمان كان حكومه واحد سودان بتواحد كان يقفلنا في برميل بس مره دار في ركابه ومره ده والله مره تمام مره ده والله نديف ومره ده كده لكن دور ده اي مره افتى اي نجريان انا بتكلم مراجل انا بميدو بعدون يا رجال انا بميدو بعدون لا ما كده وكده ما كده كده لا حد هو بنفس تعليمات هي كمان لكن لو هنا كيف هم هنا بيجيني قال انا سماره نيفر انا بيقول تعال كنا يكون كويسين لنا نفس ما رجال لنا بيستلف كله في ترابجه وهنا بنخس حاجات على فيه ولاي ده كان انه مشكله هنا كله كده نخس سنا برا حلو مشكله دي شكرا جزيلا سلطان مجدلنا and just move quickly to the issue of right to own property and right to own land just like uh, magdalena has mentioned that women have also the right to claim all the things that belongs to them as human i would like to give this example of this place that is called Meghalaya in India where they say women rule and they said in that small hilly Indian state of Meghalaya a matrilineal system which is stressing descent through the family line operates with properties names and wealth passing from mother to daughter and it is not from the father to the son so i'd like to ask can this model be adopted in south sudan whereby like madalena said before if you are a widow and you own the property if you want to give the properties out you give them to your daughter but not to your son Can this be adopted or our cultures will say never? I think 
We, we really don't want to make a complete turn and turn South Sudan into a society that only women dominate because we are talking against domination. I think that is too extreme. We would not want to have a replica of that in South Sudan. But what we would want to have in South Sudan is an understanding of women's contribution, an understanding of the fact that women are human beings, an understanding of the fact that women have the ability as well. And talk about property ownership, talk about women's rights. I think there's, there's big confusion in South Sudan. Those of us who already have the nationality, you realize that it's your mother's name who is written on, which is written on that nationality. We are very proud of that. But as somebody says, what happens in South Sudan? And I think this is irresponsibility from men. One thing is given to women by one hand, but is taken back by the other hand. Because in the same immigration, men who are working there believe that a woman can never be witness to her child. Then the question is, who knows the fact about this child? Can't I just go and grab any man by the roadside and say, this is the father? You know, those are some of the facts that we need to get proper. And I think I still want to, now I'm increasing, from education to girls and protection to girl child, we need to educate the men in our society as well. Now we are reaching to have a holistic picture because those men who talk about such rules, they're not written anywhere. As you've heard in the Constitution, it's a different thing. But the man who sits in those offices will just get it off his head and that is how he wants it and others will quickly learn because it's said by a man, they will implement it. So men in South Sudan are continuously, some men, not all, are continuously making their own laws out there in contradiction of our constitution. So how can this be harmonized? I think this can be harmonized by education and those who are right now in those key offices, they need to have in-service orientation training on these particular documents that we are developing in South Sudan. Really, they need to be enlightened. And I want to say that sexual and gender-based violence that is being practiced in our society should not be seen that it's a vice against women, but to me, I'm rather seeing it as irresponsibility from men's side. Okay, Honorable Rebecca, you own some properties. Would you like these properties to be given to your daughter? or you would love it to be shared equally among your family members? Uh, I think naturally, um, uh, in my mind, um, gender balancing. Because boys and girls, uh, we are the ones who give birth for them. Where they go and change, we don't know. But we know these are our children. I have properties. I, I, didn't, I didn't put that this is for this child, this is for that child. No. The properties are pulled, and then I put percentage. Like, for example, fear is that when your daughter gets married, she will take away those things. But this is her right. So what I did, I gave my boys, I gave my boys 10%. And I gave my daughters 5, 5, 5%. This is what I do. This belongs to them until when I leave. So I know my daughters also have their rights. I don't want them to go and run from there and come to me and say, Mom, I have a problem in my house. Help me. No. I want them to have that percentage belong to them. Nobody will come and disturb me and say, Mom, I have this problem. Because already um, uh, this thing is a standing order in the bank, which uh, we just started this year. Uh, even my little tongue, the smaller one, uh, opened an account for her, which... Uh, 
after she's 18, she will operate uh, her account. But me, I'm the signatory to her account. Uh, I have that account for her school and like that. Small amount goes there to their account. So now I'm treating my daughters, because we need to do it ourselves also, women at home. Treat your children equally, boys and girls, because the mistake started from us in our houses. And we go outside there and go and blame men. But we have to start, like for example in my house, my boys, they cook. And then my daughters cook. But our culture say that men are not supposed to cook. But we do that in front of their father. The father said that, you go and cook. When their father was alive, they cook. So I do that the same. And I start it in my house so that when they go home and marry their wives, they will know that women are not only for the kitchen. But these are valuable things which are part of you, part of your blood, part of your heart. We'll be taking a question from Aben Kual. Yes, uh, my name is Aben Kual. My question is, how about the other women that are holding more than one position in the government. When out there, there are so many women that are qualified also to participate in the government, in the political areas, in other areas. Thank you. And I think this question, we can direct it to, to the advisor on gender and human rights to the president. It's, I think it is a lack of uh, coordination and then lack of trust also. For example, I went and discussed with the president one time and he told me that women are not coming. Do you want me to go and look for women uh, in their homes? This is what he told me, and that's what I said earlier, that we, as women, we should explore our opportunities. We should go and look for those opportunities, and we discuss it. And not only for that, maybe for my own ambition and for my own uh, self, uh, selfishness, that why is that woman holding two positions? These things come up. It is being discussed in political bureau, and then also at the same time we talk with the president about it. So women has to go out also, I'm telling them, get out from your uh, compound and go and seek for the opportunities. Opportunities doesn't come to the people. You go and look for the opportunities. Thank you, Honorable Rebecca. We have a question from William Dencourt, a student. Uh, my question is that women rights has been violated in South Sudan due to nomics, traditional beliefs, custom, and culture. And if we know that those things, what shall we do for that belief? Okay. Thank you, William. And Honorable Janet, if you would like to respond to this question. If you want to change those ideologies, it is also us to uh, work hard to change people's attitude towards the way they look at women. Obviously, in our society, they look at women as a weak cannot take a radical decision, so they are supposed to be in a lower position. They can always do the service work. So those are all stereotype thinking. But it is us also to prove ourselves that, no, we can take the right decisions, we can implement. So it goes back to the way we are brought up. And in fact, it is the education system. Our education system should change to also enable women and men to see themselves as equal partners in development, in economic growth of a country, in every societal activity. If we don't change our education system and we go with our traditional way of uh, bringing up children, definitely we'll have the same society. Do we create the same impression in girls and boys, it is only that way that we can be able to change the attitude and embrace new ideas of bringing up our children. Thank you very much, Honorable Janet. And we have a question from Honorable Anne Lino Abiei. Uh, my question is actually directed to uh, Honorable Madam Rebecca. Why can't we develop a bureau for advocacy for women? 
whereby if there are griefs and if we have a list of women which are ready to hold different poses, then we should forward them there in that office. Uh, wouldn't that be better? Honorable Rebecca. Honorable Ann Lino, uh, for the question. I think this question uh, goes to the party. It is the organization of the party. And I agree with you, this is a very good idea because it goes back to the lack of coordination and information. Because information doesn't reach people who are in need. For example, in my school, I wanted positions of a driver and a watchman. I just don't go and look for relatives. I put it in the newspapers so that people read and they come, they get those opportunities. Individually, wherever we are, we must be mindful of those things. If there are fellow women to be helped there, ethnicity to be represented, it's very, very important. So I agree with you, and this thing will really help us. Okay, I'd just like to add uh, this question uh, by just giving an example of Rwanda. They said that in every institution, there is a gender desk that is created so that when women have issues, they can come report to that gender desk, and uh, that particular body will take their concern ahead, especially things to do with violence against women and uh, inadequate representation. These gender desks takes this report forward. Do you think it is also possible in South Sudan that we have gender desk where women are comfortable to talk about their issues? I think it is possible, but uh, sometimes I feel ashamed of talking about those things because those, all those things go to infrastructure. For example, even if you have a desk, you will have desk here in Juba, but will they reach the women at the grassroots? During the rainy season, there are no accessibility to the bulk of population at home there. Those who are in Juba here are just few people like us here in this room. But the bulk of population are outside in this surrounding. Sometimes you go and find that they say, oh, you know, we don't have money. There are no mobility. But if we do those things, I think they will really help us. Thank you very much. We will have another question on uh, maternal mortality. And I would like to read this report by UNDP and the International Medical Corps that says South Sudan has the highest maternal mortality rate in the world. With 2,054 maternal deaths per 100,000 live birth, each mother has a 1 in 7 chance of dying in childbirth during her lifetime. Babies are even at greater risk. 25% die from common, often preventable childhood diseases before they reach their fifth birthday. And currently, there is only one qualified midwife per 30,000 people. This question is coming from... Uh, Elamu Dennis Ejulu from Southern Eye News. Thank you so much. And I realize that maternal mortality rate is a key issue for women. And that's why I've raised that issue. I want to know what they are doing because little is being done. What are they doing currently? So I'd like to ask this question to Honorable Janet. Uh, you know, mortality rate or the death uh, is not only actually concern. I just want to correct that concern of women is a concern of a society. Why should a woman die for sure in giving birth to a life that will also be of help to the whole nation? I think it is a whole societal concern that we should take up this issue seriously. But unfortunately, you read in, uh, if it is the budget, before the presenter said the budget of gender is the minimal budget. We try our best to push key things in the health, in gender, and in education. In fact, those are the three budgets that all the time women parliamentarians push for. But unfortunately, by the time the budget comes, it has already ceilings. In fact, we are fighting that this business of ceiling in this budget should be removed because it's tying 
a ministry that really needs more is given the least ceiling in the budget, 3%, and yet others are getting 15%, 20%. Yet the ministries that need more uh, resources to combat issues like maternal health care, child care, are given minimal support. In this case, it is actual us to turn the clock around and say, maybe we have to increase instead key ministries like health, gender, and, the, and education for us to ensure that uh, they are given enough resources to fight uh, this issue. So fundings must be increased in that sector? Exactly. Okay, let me ask the Paramount Chief Magdalena. Halata nusawin fi mugatat kef lokanta wishif minkin galfi nusawin kutarbu yan bumut fi zaman taweleda. Ana bardu bikelman kalamta health safe safi musishfat mafi fi manatik kitir. Ya nital go bit arusufi arbatasir sana osulu weleda bitobe ilmuto hai. Asan omru matimu. Wo musishfa alibala gubit mafi. The cool of your gabayanak, yan binia by Weledu, Yahi Mut, Yajana Bimut. They are Ketira San, Moses Famavi. O they are Haja, Ajana, or Bonus Gul, Afrut, Nuswan, Lida Zel, Kubar, the Rede, Halem Sifaria, as an issue for Mishila Vita Iris, and in a Vibeletana Iris Walar Batasher, Talatasher Sana, in Yamubinia. They are Haja, Alhasa Gidibleno Mut Ketir, San Binet Matimumara. Banata Sana de Bala to Al Mahemed. They are higher, we will be able to move to We may need a Girip Kabir, Aleno Hibra, Biamula, Melia, a bit Guam, Menena. But if he go out a belly in Abu Gul, a bit Asur Asuro, Yabi Hassel Sunu, Bahasil Mutlebinia. As a Mumarvo, Jana Basurufi Zamaniato, a Marhalato. Who is Albedride, Berdu Yabiduru Banat Ketir? They are higher and a shaf, Lena Marhala Sap. They are Jutohia, Minuswan, Halemsi counties. Yemsipi Payamat, Peboma, Asanyamutohia. Asantabana Halnadel, Ila Ilana Mashana Kam Sultan, Anna Bikalum Fisager, Yajama Idskida, Wil Kida, Taban, Allah Harajik Neba Ulat Besbula Sanwainu, Yal Tokula Ulat, O Mader Banata Naglejiba Bugar. Deya Haja, Nader Tim Tamara Kalikun Ketir. Honorable Janet, she's talking about uh, women leaders such as you should be going back to the village and visit women and know their problem. Do you often do this as legislators? I'm talking of myself. I personally move to my constituency at least every quarter. I do move. But you know also women uh, legislators are challenged with the resources. Just like any other, when you go there to the ground, you need the resources to go and do the mobilization. We have raised this time again to our partners who are supporting capacity building of women parliamentarians. We say they should really help to support the women go back to the rural areas. But this support is not forthcoming. Most of the partners are only coming, capacity building workshop, and me, I'm getting fed up of those workshops because they end in Juba here. They don't help anything at all. They don't change the society. Yeah? So I think we should move away from these workshops. We should be going down to the women in the grassroots, and we need that support. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we will take a break before we can take more questions by looking at the issue of UN women area of focus, and that is on peace and security. People say women are kind-hearted, they are understanding. Now, there is this issue between South Sudan and Sudan, the negotiations that have been going on 
back and forth. Some people say that if women were given a chance to be among the negotiators in Addis Ababa, probably the tension between South Sudan and Sudan would have ended. I want to ask this to Honorable Rebecca. Why is it that there are no women in the negotiating team of South Sudan? I think this, this is the problem that we are discussing since we started our debate. Men are having the same mentality that they are the one who knows how to do the job properly. <laughs> and uh, they should be the one to do it. It is not only in Southern Sudan, even uh, Khartoum also, I don't think they have women coming there. And our sisters there are really suffering. Somebody like me, like Madame Rebecca, knows that a strong man is strong because of his wife. A weak man is weak because of his wife. So all of the above are there. Let them go and negotiate there, but they go with uh, some uh, luggage filled of uh, words from their wives. So it is selfishness. Because women know when to stop and when to continue negotiating. Like, for example, when the oil was closed down. They have not consulted us. They have not consulted anybody. But if I were to be consulted as Madame Rebecca, I would have said no. Let them steal that big one and let the small one come to us because we don't have anything in our Google. I would have not accepted it if I were to be consulted as a woman because a woman will always know during the rainy season what to be safe for her children and what will be for the dry season or dark days. Men don't know this. There is the planned uh, national healing process and the reconciliation that is coming in April. Uh, Lorna. Is there a role that women can play in this national healing process? I think that is quite obvious, and I would not want to dwell much on that. I know, yes, women have a role they can play because they're part of the society, but what I want to really reiterate is the point of recycling some people. The issue, that recycling is not only women alone, it's an all-round thing. Men are being recycled as well. One person holding another position and another one and another one. Therefore, as much as these are very intelligent people, I respect their intellect, they are overwhelmed. Therefore, we find ourselves in situations that we don't harvest proper results. And I would advise, kindly advise that when we have these negotiations, when we have these national issues to be discussed, we should consult the citizens and have people who have more time and more dedication for the particular process. Let's move on to a question that is coming from uh, Maring Joseph of Sunde. Uh, to Madam Honorable uh, Rebecca, uh, when we look critically, since the formation of our government, right from 2005, you are actually uh, closer to the government. As far as uh, women's issues are concerned, what are the strategies that uh, you plan to advance to ensure that this cry is actually, you know, put into a stop where men and women in this country are looked as equal people but not as different people. What are the strategies that we need to do to achieve those things? These are the things that I was talking about before is that, like, for example, we as women, we need to move closer. The women who are here, the women leaders, are supposed to move closer to the women at the grassroots. And we have to be with them, at least to sensitize them, to educate them about their rights. And also, uh, girl-child education is very, very important that we need to see into it that those things are done. The other thing is that, you know, I moved home because when I found out that I was staying in the office for 30 days, I was not using my energy. Uh, you rarely find that I advise the president because there are so many advisors. So I asked the president I was going to farm. I went and, and realized 
us going to the women at the grassroots was very important because there are issues which are facing them. And when we fly in and move back in the afternoon, we will not realize unless we stay with them. Because when you go to the villages, they don't have money in their hands, nor even their husbands, they don't have money. This money you see here in Juba are not there at the grassroots. So you find women are the ones suffering because they are the ones who are scratching their heads to see what will their children eat, what will they dress. I, as Rebecca, am trying with my community that we move home. We have to do our home in the villages. And I even talk with our community and I say that during the election, don't vote for those who do not have homes in their villages. I always say this because elites, those who are educated, they should build their home in their villages. We see in Kenya, we see here in Uganda, everybody is having home in their, in their countryside. There is a state in South Sudan here where the community had actually asked a judge, they asked her to leave after she tried to implement the constitution, what it says in terms of customary laws, and the community say, no, our customary laws says this and that and that, and they ask her to leave. I mean, does it make sense even if you include these customs that are right, and in the end, the constitution is not implemented because the community is resistant? Yeah, the community is resisting because, as she had mentioned earlier, there are so many laws in this country that lie in the offices. It's not people don't really know what is there. It's very important for us to do consultation when developing those laws. It's important for us to do civic education when they're already passed into laws. And most importantly, it's important for us to embrace access to information, but make it available so that they can access. Madam Rebecca, one time you talked about women can actually help men to be good leaders. Let's focus on the issue of corruption, in transparency and accountability, that women, even if they are not in the positions, they can help their husbands to be good leaders. Yeah, it is true. Thank you. Um, women can help in corruption. In what way? It is when your husband comes home with unusual money, in his hand or his back. He should ask, where did he get this money from? Because we, we as women, like for me, for example, Dr. John has gone, but my sons are there, and whatever we will do together with him will always go down to my children. When he comes home, when we were fighting, he, he will give me the money. I will, not take, I will not receive the money and ask. I will ask him while he is still holding the money, what is this money for? And it is for who? He will tell me it's for you, but who gave it to us? Yeah, it's questions like that. To ask your son, where did you get this motorbike? Where did you get this car? Those questions. Tomorrow your husband will not come with a lot of money, but when they come with a lot of money, you take this money, keep them well. You start to hide without asking the questions. You are inviting the devils to your house. You know? Like, for example, in corruption now, the money I use to put down my properties, and I cannot hide it from my people, people of southern Sudan. It is the money I got from the conversation of my husband when, he, when the helicopter crashed. This was given to them. And President Museveni increased that money, and I pray, and I ask God to, to show me the way, what can I do with this money? And that's what I did in order for me to help my people, is to establish such things. And I told the president, every time when I get the money, I always inform my president. But still, people go to him and say that, you know, a uh, big property like the company of uh, soda and beer, they say this for Mama Rebecca. When, whatever big building here is for Madame Rebecca, I will always say that I because <laughs> I will say this is not mine. Where will I get the money to make that company? Whatever corruption people are talking about it now, 
which has been done. It is not from the government money, but it is from the contracts. The differences must be made. You cannot, as a minister, you don't have access to government money. So with the corruption, it's in our hand, women. We need to fight the corruption in our houses. Thank you very much, Honorable Rebecca. And we have come towards the end of the program, but I'd just like to let the national team head coach ask this important question. Coach Zoran, where are the women in the sporting organization? And any of you can just chip in and tell us. Sports in this country, uh, Mr. Zora, is taken to be a male thing. That's why you see that they push away the women. Sports is a wealth to everybody. Today we know that sport is the richest thing that youth can get involved in. They are both girls and, we, and, and men, boys, who need to involve themselves in this sport. Yes, yeah. I wanted to add... Uh, the problem is that we did not put our priorities right. A sport is not only for people to make money, but, but a sport is for the health of the nation. It is the right. Thank you very much. And i just like in 30 seconds each panelist to give us an impression of what if women enjoyed the same rights as men in South Sudan. Let's start with uh, Lona Merkaja. Thank you very much. I think South Sudan would be a beautiful country, a country that we fought for, a country that we liberated, a country that we desired, a country that we voted to secede from Sudan. If women enjoy the same rights, South Sudan would be that country. Thank you very much, Elona. And uh, Honorable Janet, what if women enjoy the same rights as men in South Sudan? Sustainable development, there will be peace. If women are there, have equal rights, they will be able to have the rights of everybody, dignity uh, of a person in every society. And therefore, for me, I want to conclude that let us pull ourselves together and let us be our sisters' keepers. Thank you very much, uh, Paramount Chief Magdalena. <laughs> Shukran Jizilan Sultan and Honorable Rebecca, what if women enjoy the same right as men in South Sudan? I think uh, if women have uh, the equal rights like men, Southern Sudan will not be behind now. I think uh, Juba and other places would have grown very fast. And uh, the, the population of women are, or the ratio of women are higher than the men. And you cannot leave this population uh, idle without contribution to this nation. So I think they, they can do better and this country can move forward. Thank you very much, Honorable Rebecca. That has brought us to the end of our debate show where South Sudan discusses its future. Today we were looking at what if women enjoy the same rights as men in South Sudan. And in the panel that discussed this topic today are Honorable Rebecca Nyandeng, the Presidential Advisor for Gender and Human Rights. We had Paramount Chief Magdalena Issa from Eastern Equatorial State, and we had Merkaje Lona, the Secretary General of South Sudan Democratic Engagement and Monitoring Program, and we had Honorable Janet Ayah, the Secretary General of National Legislative Assembly Women Parliamentary Caucus. Thank you very much. Wow.